Welcome to another Stories for Life mini-sode from the Spaceship Earth podcast. The idea here is to release creative, short-form audio offerings that speak to either the hidden horror stories of modernity or love stories that remind us that we have always been part of a vast, mysterious, more-than-human family. They might be poems, audio essays, songs or stories, and we are open to submissions. The criteria is that they root in either the horror story or love story invitation of Stories for Life, and that the work is entirely yours. That you are able to record your offering using a decent microphone with no background noise. So just message us if you have something to offer. We're not looking for polished masterpieces. That feels like the colonial story of perfection. We're interested in creative, vulnerable, messy offerings from the heart that are moving through people in these times. These, we believe, are vital story seeds that can help to cultivate the soil for life-sustaining cultures. This episode is two short audio essays from writer Christina Williams, who is based in Amsterdam and who you can find on Substack at Small Steps to New Futures. Christina was in the Remix 2023 cohort, our Stories for Life-themed unlearning journey from Becoming Crew. We hope you enjoy Christina's offerings as much as we have. Please do share if it speaks to you. When the last tree is cut down, the last fish eaten, and the last stream poisoned, you will realize that you cannot eat money. Native American proverb. Inspired by an invitation from Becoming Crew during an unlearning journey I'm currently participating in, here are two essays I wrote recently. One is a love story, the other is a horror story. Both are inspired by the work of Stories for Life, which invites us to explore the horror stories of our time, while also unearthing the love stories that can usher in a better future. Gooey, a love story. It's nearing 9 p.m. on the 26th of June, and the dog is ready for her evening walk. The temperature has finally cooled, and for the first time in what feels like ages, I have to wear a light jacket. It's absolutely glorious outside. Light breeze, tiny cloud puffs that look like a watercolor painting, the feeling of a true Dutch summer day. It's a welcome relief from the abominable heat we've been having lately. Apparently Holland is now Spain. As we walk along the canal on one of our standard evening routes, I become lost in thought. I notice a few boats out on the water, but it's nothing like it was the previous day. Yesterday, it was 31 degrees Celsius outside, and being indoors was nearly impossible in a country without widespread air conditioning. 
As such, everyone was outside. If not cruising on a boat, then picnicking on the lawn, lying in the shade, and attempting to soak up any coolness that might be left in the soil. But today is a different story. There are a few boats out here and there, and a few people sitting on the grass, but for the most part, it's quiet. At only 20 degrees, people can actually be in their houses again, and the dog walk is quiet and calm the way it normally is before the summer heat arrives. And suddenly, while watching a boat moor itself along the canal wall, I feel it. The shift in the air, the change in energy. The days are now getting shorter, and for the first time that I can remember, I actually feel the change. It's hard to explain, and it's very subtle. But there is a slowness, a thoughtfulness, a thickness in the air that tells me, hey, the peak of summer is over. Days are getting shorter. Take your time. As if whispered to me by Mother Earth herself. And I let out a deep breath. The feeling sits strongly in me, reminding me that summer is not actually a time for speed. If you look at nature, summer is actually a slowing down, too. The blooming is done, and now it's time to ripen, a process that feels slow, steady, intentional, and almost meditative. We often think of winter as a slow time, a hibernation, a time to rest. Following this time of rest, spring arrives, frantic and wild. All the animals are trying to mate, and all the trees and plants are trying to bloom, and there's just so much goddamn energy everywhere. Even autumn has a similar frenzied feel to it. Although some creatures, and particularly plants, are starting to wrap up their annual cycle, many animals are on the frantic hunt for food to prepare for winter. For humans, it is harvest time, a time of abundance and also a time of great activity. Somehow, particularly in the West with school years ending in June or July, June always marked the beginning of something for me. It was a time of doing all the things, and running around, and no time to waste. But the truth is, that's not what summer is at all. Summer is a time of ripening, of sweating into the hot earth, of sleeping in the middle of the day when the sun is hot, of bathing in cool waters. Summer is the perfect time for rest. June marks the end of something frantic, and the beginning of something slow, sticky, gooey, and sensuous. Perhaps it all makes sense now, why I wasn't able to rest for the first few months after I stopped working. It was springtime, and my body kept telling me to move, to be frantic, to not sit still. But now I feel the call of stillness, of gooiness, of sinking into wondrous anomalies and peculiar ways of being, of becoming ripe, of becoming earth. I dream of becoming a too-ripe peach, my juices running down the fingers of a young girl who bites into it and says, Mmm.
Rage, a horror story. What is this rage, this powerful force inside of me that simply won't let go? The instruction is to subdue it, but to do so will be fatal to me. But to let it out is social suicide. The cracks get bigger. These small slights, these faults in the system, although not faults at all because they are designed to fail us, always irritated me for as long as I can remember. But they never enraged me the way they do now. Now, each fault, each attempt to keep me in line, each effort to prevent me from having any semblance of power over my own life, each one is a reminder of the sheer force of this monster inside whose belly we attempt to build our lives. How to deal with these small slights now that I know what they represent? How to deal with them when, each and every time, the rage stretches deep within me and threatens to tear apart everything I know? How to deal with the fact that this very morning I screamed at a poor girl via an internet chatbot, figuratively pointing my finger at her and saying, you lied to me, even though in my rage I clarified that you means the company that she works for, but knowing full well that she could not possibly understand. Because I was not screaming at her, a fact I wanted her to know but I was also not screaming at the company. I was emitting a cosmic shriek at the system. Like an opera singer, I was hoping my shriek would put a crack in the glass. In my imagination, my shriek would shatter all of capitalism because that's how big my rage is. How do we live in a society where bureaucratic rules are valued more than human emotions? How do we go on knowing that companies get rights like people do, but they have no feelings and are therefore unable to care about us? What do I do knowing that this poor girl who I screamed at can only repeat the same sentence to me over and over again, which began with, I understand, but, because she too has no clue how to do anything differently, because she too is trapped. I understand, but I cannot help you. I understand, but... We will not help you. I understand, but you didn't follow the rules, even though we explained the rules to you incorrectly. I understand, but we just don't care about you. The rage inside me grew at breakneck speed, causing me to lash out and swear revenge before slamming my laptop shut and turning my rage towards my husband. How fortunate I am to have a husband who allows me to scream at him when I have nowhere else to put these feelings who understands that it has nothing to do with him, who comes and wraps his arms around me as I devolve into sobs and vow to burn everything to the ground. No, we cannot simply burn down the old without also preparing the new. But I am enraged, and I want to set the whole thing ablaze. Thanks for listening to Small Steps to New Futures. I hope you enjoyed it. Music credit goes to Juan Sanchez Music. See you next time.